Attack the Rack. Coming to you from Seattle, Washington, home of the Supersonics fan base. I'm Josh. Here we go. Should we crack these open? Sure. Are you recording yet? Or? Yeah, I just started. Oh, yeah, let's crack them open. There you go. I don't, this is a special occasion. I don't typically pop open a beer during the week, so this is a special day. <laughs> so it, it looks like your Spurs took care of my Thunder today. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. They're not. They're. They're. I guess you guys could make a twenty-point run here, but I, I think, or is it official already? I, I don't know if it's official or not, but it looked pretty official when I saw the score yeah. a little bit ago. Oh yeah, it's over. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. San Antonio by nine. Nine. Okay, they closed the gap a little bit, but right, they closed the gap by three points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit. Right? Yeah. Oh man. San Antonio's literally splitting their point guard time in half with uh kobe they, white and murray that's right they don't uh, they did a stat of, like they've played on average 40 seconds on the court at the same time so far this year yeah <laughs> so they're really splitting those guys down the middle yeah which is which is interesting i kind of thought you would see the two of them on the court together to give a little bit more playmaking lighten things up for DeRozan a little bit hopefully get him some easy looks and they're both really good defenders I'm surprised they're not both playing 30 32 minutes a night and overlapping for eight ten minutes or whatever that comes out to yeah exactly well does Patty Mills play point guard still or is he going well, to shooting guard yeah I don't know you got 20 plays a position tonight. where you give him the ball and he makes something good happen yeah. on offense and you hide him on defense so whatever position that is <laughs> the position he plays he played 22 minutes tonight he's good Mm-hmm. How do you do? Um, let's see. 10 points, four for eight field goals, two for three threes. Sounds like a Patty Mill stat line. Not much in anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As long as he's hitting his threes, he's helpful. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, I love it. So tomorrow on ESPN, the Cavs play the Wizards. I found this uh-huh. really funny. On NBA TV, starting at 7.30, a half hour later, you have Miami Heat against the Lakers. <laughs> If wow. I was ESPN, I would not be very happy with that, like, <laughs> that scheduling. It's like, so we got the Cavs and Wizards, and NBA TV got the Miami Heat versus the Lakers. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Happen? Yeah. <laughs> and how much are we paying for this uh, cable contract? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, but there's no, there's no nationally – there's really nothing over the, the weekend. NBA doesn't try to compete with Sunday. No NFL. Well, we got a little uh, NBA TV Monday Mavs versus Celtics coming up. That should be a good game, though. That'll be a great game. So Dallas is pretty much on fire so far. They're outperforming so far this season. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Luca's just been him and Perzingis is looking like a pretty solid, and they just have a bunch of role players around them that that look pretty good. So we'll see. And then we then we got the Clippers and the Raptors. So I guess it depends if Kawhi is playing. I don't know if they're arresting him that day, but if they're arresting him uh, that yeah. day, the Raptors should be in good shape. It's, it's interesting how easy it is for them to slide by that new rule by the NBA. It's basically done nothing, that they have to have a legitimate medical reason to be load managed. Yeah, you see they find uh, the Clippers 50 grand for Doc Rivers' comments on it. What did he so, say? So initially they're like, it's cool. Like he has a real thing that he's rehabbing and everything. And then Doc Rivers uh, gave all these comments in the media like, 
it's not a health thing. He feels great. We're just continuing to do what's been working so that he's ready for later. So that means he's like, what in the world? We came out and it's okay because it's a, yeah, exactly. So they find him 50 grand. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But at least Steve Ballmer picked it up. They find the Clippers, not him. So uh, that's a little, little different. And on what basis did they find Inconsistent comments. including coach doc rivers essentially so it's like well you're telling us it's a knee injury and we see the medical stuff but then he's telling the media that he's healthy it's fine we're just being cautious essentially which player was that that's for Kawhi leonard i thought that was brand new that so that didn't work initially it did but then because of his comments to the media they came back (laughs) the nba first said it's cool perfect no problem but because uh doc rivers kept talking to the media and saying how great Kawhi leonard felt and they're just (laughs) sitting him out (laughs) they're like no you can't do that so they find him anyways but but then we got that on tuesday the Cavs versus uh the 76ers that hopefully is is a no-brainer yeah and there's no win for you on that no win for me there yeah yeah, I know. That's like tonight I got uh, Miami and Phoenix playing. I'm like, I don't even know who to root for. Gosh, those, those are sure fun teams, though. Yeah. Hold on, they're playing tonight? Oh, Miami's only winning by 10. Wow, Phoenix has Phoenix made a statement good. so far this season. I was telling you when, during the draft, I was like, ah, I'm excited about Phoenix. That's yeah. part of the, especially, I, uh, I think I got them with my fourth round pick. So I have a, it's a good chance I might be keeping them for the second half of the year. Because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a team that good for a fourth round pick. Yeah. there. You know, I'm looking at your teams. Houston has disappointed for you so far. That was your top pick. They're going to come back. They're going to come back strong. Yeah. I wouldn't even be worried. And so when you got Miami and Phoenix that low, I'm I'm worried that you're going to catch me. Well, I... I, I, I used my heart and not my head and took OKC with number two. So uh, I should have taken the Raptors was the other team that I really should have taken there. But I was like, ah, how many wins are they really going to have more than OKC? <laughs> I'd rather root for OKC. So, But with the group we had, I could have taken OKC probably the last round. Nobody wanted them. So yeah. I don't know why I took them so early. But whatever. Uh, then we got the Blazers and the Kings on Tuesday night after uh, the Cavs and um, 76ers. The Blazers are not looking like – I was really nervous about the Blazers coming into the season because they have a lot of, like, good – NBA players, but it, not enough talent to really run the offense other than McCollum and Lillard, and they don't have a ton of, like, specialists. Like, they're just defensive stoppers or whatever that fill the different roles, and I'm just – I'm nervous, especially with uh, Collins is out now for four months, so he's not going to be back till best-case scenario March. Yeah, who's their starting center now? They got Nurkic out. They got um, – They got Whiteside White side starter. Out. Oh, yeah, that's right. But he's, I think he's coming back soon. I think that's more short-term. I think you're right. Yeah. And the Kings have just been atrocious. Uh, they lost, well, the, so Hold on. Portland lost to Golden State, too. Yeah. No, yeah. they're going to they're gonna free fall. A lot of people are like, well, they're pretty much, in theory, they upgraded a little bit this offseason, depending on who you talk to. And they made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. And they're probably not making it back to the playoffs. I agree with you. The fact that um, – Anthony Tolliver is one of their key players right now. <laughs> not a good sign. Three years ago, if he's your first uh, uh, forward off the bench, you're in good shape. Yeah. Uh, now, if you need starting minutes out of him, mm, that's rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like him. Good player, but he's yeah. getting old. <laughs> rolling. Yeah. Oh, man. And then we got ESPN next Wednesday, the uh, Clippers versus the Rockets. 
So that should be a really good game. I'm, I, I think you're right. The Rockets should settle and they should play a little bit better. They're doing a lot of good things. Their defense has just been terrible, like bad, bad, bad. Like, well, is it their defense or is it – so clearly their defense has some room for improvement, but also the teams they've played against so far have the highest field goal percentages in the league. So well, yeah, that's because they played Houston. <laughs> no, I just <laughs> – no, I, that's, that's legit. They have played good offenses. I just but, – But I don't think that's going to be sustainable in the long run. They're, so their opponents are shooting 44% on threes, which is the highest in the league. Yeah. And their opponents are shooting 45.6% on mid, in mid-range, which is the second highest in the league. So they're, they are the worst in the league in opponent field goal percentage. And you can't think that that's, they're not going to be able to figure that out to some extent. And some of that has to be luck. I mean, we're only five, six games in. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's true. And so the, what do they call that? Regression to the mean where it's going to come back to yeah. average because – no team shoots 44%. So it stands to reason that no team's going to give up 44% from three. Exactly. Unless they're trying to do it on purpose. Like, I mean, it's going to, yeah. it'd have to be pretty, pretty bad that way. And then on the other side, their three point shooting has been really bad. So like Gordon and Harden are, I think in the twenties uh, in their three point percentage and they're taking a ton of them. So that's going to progress to the mean, right? They're going to, yeah, uh, that's I'm concerned. Uh, I'm concerned, Josh, you're going to come back and get me there with Houston. We'll see. That's the plan. <laughs> so I think I think they so Houston Rockets of all the teams in the league, I feel pretty confident saying have the longest runway to get to kind of run back to the top of the top tier of teams right now. Yeah. What's going on in LA is really interesting though. The the Lakers and the Clippers both, but especially the Lakers. I'm really high on the Lakers right now. Me too. They they have their championship like vibe right now they mm-hmm. seem like they're ready mm-hmm. it was coming into the year one of the things i was talking about with people is it's going to be a really interesting test case in uh, perimeter defenders versus interior defenders protecting the rim versus protecting the perimeter between the clippers and the lakers ah you're right because if you look at the clippers they got a bunch of like dominant perimeter defenders mm-hmm. the lakers they have McGee, Howard, and Dickness. Yeah. <laughs> That's so much shot blocking and yeah. length. And then you got LeBron kind of playing that free safety role who can also help kind of get inside. And so we'll, we'll see. So far, the Lakers, I think, are like second in defense. And the Clippers are down closer to the middle of the pack. But it's really early. I mean, when you're well, under 10 games, it's really hard to talk a lot about statistics and trends and whatever. But I think you can see a little bit of uh, stylistically what's going to happen with different teams. Yeah. Uh, Dwight Howard finally found his spot in the NBA, it looks like. So far. If he, could you imagine if he just played this way like eight years ago? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, he, he's, a, he's a role player now, though. Yeah, that's fine. You can be like a star-level role player. You can yeah. do all the – like if he was the first time he was in the at the Lakers, if he played the same exact way, he would be getting like 15 and 15 with like 75% field goal percentage. Because he would have just been all over the floor, grabbing rebound, blocking shots, dunking the ball, not trying to post up, and using mm-hmm. all that energy to actually defend. That type of player, if you're not really skilled, like if you don't have a great touch for big guys like that, they have to kind of just be that role player now and go find a way yeah. to get 15, 18, 20 points just without calling their number, just in pick and rolls and whatever else they can. Yeah. Well, I think the difference, though, between, like you say, eight years ago and now, in the beginning of his career and in the mid- midway through his career – People were trying to build teams around him. Yeah. He was he was the centerpiece of a team, and 
that is it's not really how he ever shined. And now he's almost playing more like a Dennis Rodman type role where he's the guy like giving you support from the ground up and you might not even notice him. Yeah. Um, and I think he fits in really well like that. Oh, so well. I mean, that or his Orlando team, though, stole Richard Lewis from us. Yeah. I wasn't very happy about that. I hit, but I mean, it doesn't matter. We were blowing it up anyways. And then we lost the team pretty much. Uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, him playing the four with Turkaloo and Howard, that front court, that was like really the beginning. That was like the, I mean, there was other teams that had stretch bigs before that, but they really, Stan Van Gundy was really trying to spread that floor and get some of the, uh, the spacing that really everybody's craving now is put Richard Lewis, let's go pay him a ton of money and put him at the power forward. And now suddenly Dwight Howard has nobody in the paint, nobody mm-hmm. inside the three-point line. Like, mm-hmm. got him to the finals. They just couldn't push it over. Yeah, that's, a, that's going way back. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. But he's still in the league. He's still playing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've got the Warriors and the Lakers. You know, when they scheduled that game at the beginning of the year on the national uh, TV schedule, I think they're a lot more excited about the Warriors versus Oh, I'm the sure they are. How, how things have changed. Oh, man. It's like the Warriors are starting guys that I, I barely even know who they are. It's like, mm-hmm. who is this guy? It's but, almost like they, they came up just as fast as they went away. Like, yeah. uh, they, came, they went from being this, like, rugged team of misfits that you wanted, you wanted to love, but they weren't ever going to make it anywhere. And then they're, they're, they stuck with their strategy, the run and gun, and then it just all came together out of nowhere, and suddenly everyone's a Golden State fan. And now I think next year we won't even be talking about them anymore. Well, we'll see. They, it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. With Steph Curry missing so much time, and Clay Thompson pretty much going to just sit out the whole year now because if they're not really in the playoff hunt, what's the point of bringing them back? They're going to get like a top five, top ten pick. And next true. year, they're going to be able to go sign a guy for like mid-level exceptions, so like a nine million a year type of guy. You know what I mean? Solid contributor, but bring in. Yeah. So bring in a young talent, bring in a contributor. D'Angelo Russell's gotten to improve a little bit. See if Chris or Collie Stein. I don't you know, get D'Angelo Russell in that mix. I don't. I see him being traded. Possibly, possibly. I don't. I, I'm not saying that's wrong, but suddenly now you put Clay, Steph, D'Angelo Russell. Draymond Green, a top five pick, another free agent, and then Pascal or any of these guys they find this year that they hit on, they're going to be able to piece something back together, whether they flip Russell for somebody else or whether they run Russell right back. They're going to be a competitive playoff team again next year. I just, it's almost what I've heard people say is like best case scenario for them is what happened to the Spurs when they got Tim Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that comparison too. Yeah, I think that's a lot of wishful thinking because the percentage chance that anything like that happens for him. <laughs> Get a top yeah. three pick, let alone the top three pick being somebody like Tim Duncan, right? Like that's a completely different. Oh wow! So I didn't. So Clay Thompson's got a five-year deal with the Warriors, so oh, he's, he's locked in. He's locked in. Draymond Green just re-upped. He's locked in. Steph Curry, he's got like four years left, I think. Wow. So those three guys are going to be there for a while. And D'Angelo Russell's under contract for several more years. We'll see if they trade him or not. Like, Okay, um, you've convinced me. So it's just this one low year. We might not hear about him much this year. And then 2020, 2021, we're going to start. We're going to see what happens then. Could be a different story. Well, how well do they age is going to be the story, right? If Steph Curry ages really well with his shooting, they're going to be great. If Yeah. They don't age very well. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. And then, Clay Thompson is one of the most underrated players in the league, I think. 
he is so good. I, I saw something on uh, like uh, on social media today where somebody was saying something about uh, Steph Curry winning without a big three. Like they weren't counting Draymond Green or Clay Thompson. Like it was just him and Durant. I'm like, what? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm like, that's the most stupidest things I've ever read in my life. Like, yeah. okay, Draymond Green, if you want to leave him out because he can't hit a shot to save his life, okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I get that. Maybe you can't call him like a true star. Uh, but defensively, he might be the best defensive player in the playoffs, like every year. So that's something. And then Clay Thompson, is he the best catch and shoot shooter in the league right now? And one of the best perimeter. Well, not right now. His knee don't work. But normally, when he's healthy, uh, oh my gosh, he's like a star. You know, like I was saying, like Dwight Howard, if he would have just played as like a role player, yeah, when he was like in his prime. That's yeah. what I feel like Clay Thompson has done as a three and D. Guy. He's he's done exactly that. Yeah. Who who has the NBA all-time record for most points in a quarter? I think it's Clay, isn't it? It's Clay Thompson. Yeah, and we're and he and he's not in the big big three and Golden State. <laughs> and he dribbled the ball like four times in that quarter. Yeah. Or whatever yeah. it was. and he, he and he also thirty-seven points, and he also showed zero emotion. Yeah, like it's no big deal. I hit shots. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah, exactly. If you guys would just let me shoot more, this is what happened every game. Mm-hmm. What would happen if he shooter. went to a team like? Cleveland or just some team that doesn't have anything but I don't know what, what he would look like and maybe, maybe that's not his role maybe that doesn't work for him I don't know see that's the tough part is I think certain guys are really good off the balance and rhythm shooters yeah and other mm-hmm. guys are more like catch and shoot like and I think you can you can tell sometimes by you look at guys you're like oh he's such a good shooter he's got a good pull-up game all this and you look at his free throw percentage he shoots like 76 percent you know what I mean? you're like whoa wait a second like but he hits this but it's like a rhythm guy. Like, give me yeah. a few bounces. And then you got guys like Clay Thompson. He's going to shoot like a ridiculous percentage from the line and catch and shoot. He's money and he can put it on the ground a little bit, but he's not a huge creator. Like, put him in a pick, a roll, pick and roll or blow past this guy or cross this guy up. That's not really his, his deal. But you get him just catch and shoot. It can be leaning, it can be running full speed, it can be with like two guys draped all over him. It's like the mechanics are different. Makes sense. But Clay, but the problem is Steph Curry can do both. <laughs> like that's yeah. <laughs> he's one of the few guys. And then on Thursday, TNT, we got the Mavericks and Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks are just as bad as everybody thought they were gonna be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I like the strategy of what they tried to do this offseason. And Barrett's looking pretty good, and it was probably smart to put some bets around him for just his long term development. But they're not winning anything. This I I don't get why they're never like. I mean, I thought. And I don't know if you remember, but our draft, I was beating myself up for taking Cleveland instead of New York. Yeah. And Cleveland, Cleveland has a, a, one more win than New York right now. I, I thought Julius Randle, he puts up huge numbers. Marcus Morris, by the way, strangely is like top, top five in his position in the NBA for New York so far this season. Um, There's I, no fit, though. So their yeah. guards are atrocious. So they're point Elfred guard Prayton? If he's your – backup point guard you're in good shape okay okay yeah. if you're if he's your starting point guard do you have a dominant two guard that's handling the ball most of the time and he's really there for defense and they kind of do a bear it but he's a rookie yeah. so really making sure your offense flows right and yeah. they don't and they tried to bring in some guys that could shoot a little bit marcus morris isn't like a, a terrible shooter wayne ellington is a three-point shooter yeah but they, there's just i just don't think there's a lot of space for randall there's not like it's I mean you're clearly right I what, what I are the other threats I just didn't see I just didn't see worse in the league that's what I wasn't anticipating but 
Yeah, we'll we'll see if they can click it all, but I think it's really hard too because if it doesn't happen fast when you have so many guys on short-term deals, mm-hmm. it suddenly becomes a little bit more about I need to get mine and make sure my yeah. stats are here because I'm gonna get thrown back out onto the market because they're not gonna pick up my option because the team sucks, right? Like yeah. <laughs> they're gonna go a different direction, so. Uh, they got like 20 games to figure it out, or I feel like that team is going to just start everybody trying to get their own, which mm-hmm. I think is how Marcus Morris always plays. And the coach said they want uh, to take on his personality. I'm not sure if that's the part of the personality that he was talking about, but <laughs> maybe it was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, then, uh, later that night are the Nets and the Nuggets, and that should be a pretty good game. What do you think of the Nuggets? I think after Houston, they have the biggest opportunity to get better. People are down on Jokic yeah. this, this season so far. I don't – I see him – he – if you've watched him in the past, he's had, like, downturns to last two or three weeks, and then he comes back and he's putting up triple doubles five nights in a row. So yeah. I don't see why people are down on him. We're only, like, seven games into the season. Well, it's tough because they're looking up and down the West, and there's a lot of teams, like – suddenly Dallas is playing well and Phoenix is playing well. Not that those teams are necessarily going to be better than them, but if you can't, where are you getting your wins from? So I'm with you though. I think they have a lot of upside. I think they're going to do a lot better. I think Jokic is going to play a lot better um, Mm -hmm. moving forward. I really love Grant next to him. Yeah. Like, I just think that combination is fantastic. And I, I, they're, I don't think they're going to start him over Millsap, but I think they should as good as Millsap is. I, I just would want to test that pairing out before I got to pay Jeremy Grant this summer and start mm-hmm. them next to each other and see how it goes. But I just see that as like the perfect compliment. Grant's not like a quick three-point shooter, but he'll hit it if you leave, if you let him get the shot off. It's just like mm-hmm. a stinking catapult. It takes forever to get it off. <laughs> but at the same time, he can go dunk it in like one dribble pretty hard from the three-point line. Like he's got that athleticism that Jokic doesn't have. That's really nice to have that long springy guy, someone to protect the hoop. I mean, the Lakers got three of those guys, and that's why they're the number two defense in the league right now. Yeah. Well, I see Denver holding at that three or four spot. I, right, so right now you got number one Lakers, number two Dallas, number three Denver, number four Phoenix, then number Phoenix. five. Yeah, and then number five the Clippers. I see Dallas dropping out of that two spot pretty quickly. What do you think about Dallas? Are they going to stay up near the top of the West? It'll be interesting. Their offense is – like dominant right now is what's happening but uh their defense is lower than it typically is for the Mavericks and I think they have just as much defensive talent as they've had in the past so I think it's uh Carlisle's going to get get them to play a little bit better defense but I think their offense is going to fall fall off a little bit so I, I don't know they're one of the teams coming into the season that I was like sitting here going I feel like there's like this elite group at the top with like the Lakers and the Clippers and the Rockets. And then there's some teams like the Nuggets and the Mavericks and these kind of guys. We would have thought Portland, I think, too. Yeah, I was pretty convinced Portland wasn't going to be in the top like four or five teams. I was pretty convinced if they're going to get into the playoffs, they're going to be coming in at seven or eight or not quite getting there. Because I just, I was just looking up and down. Like I would take Dallas over Portland. I just, I don't know. What do they do with Przingis? I think you're going to end up being right about that. I just see the team. So the teams that could pass Dallas here are, are the Clippers yeah. and the Rockets. I think I feel confident. The Rockets are going to pass. Those. 
Yeah. The and Rockets the are for sure. Clippers, too. They're not Clippers aren't a shoe in for passing them as well. They probably will. I think they're just a lot less focused on the regular season record. They're gonna rest quiet bunch. Quiet okay. uh Paul George is just coming back, so they're gonna be careful with him. And really if those guys aren't on the floor. But but Paul George is coming back. That's oh. 100% he's coming back, and he's an amazing player. And so when they're on the floor together, they're as good as anybody in the league. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not arguing that at all. But I just – I don't know. I just – they'll probably pass them, but we'll see. I just don't think they're really uh, prioritizing the regular season record as much. So, so they'll probably end up winning a ton of games anyways. But they have some defensive light – like – Without Leonard and Kawhi, you pretty much are relying on Lou Williams and Montrose Herald to drive your entire offense, which mm-hmm. is great. But Lou Williams is so terrible defensively. If you're that reliant on his offense, you have to play him so many minutes against starter quality people that they can take advantage of that. And I think that's part of the reason why their defense is like middle of the pack right now, even though they have a ton of defensive talent up and down the roster, is they have such a big weak link. But they have to play him because they need the offense because they don't have any other creators. Beverly's not a creator. Shamit's not a creator. They're both great players, but neither one creates anything for anybody else. And Montrez Harold really doesn't create a whole lot for anybody else. He can finish and he can score, but so I, I don't know. I don't want to play him in the playoffs, though. Yeah. <laughs> so who? So who's top top tier in the West? Like top three or four? We got we agree on LA. We yeah. I think we agree Houston's going to be there. Regular season record, yeah. Like I would put, I would, I would say regular season, they're more likely to have a better record than the Clippers, but I would take the Clippers in a, a playoff matchup. Got it. That makes sense to me. So we'll put Lakers, Houston, Clippers as a playoff team. And is, and my question is, is Denver or anyone else in, in that top tier or is there, are they a step down or Phoenix Suns? I mean, what do you think about Phoenix? <laughs> I don't think Phoenix is going to get up there. I don't if, think so either. <laughs> If they pulled out like 45 wins this year, they'd be doing like cartwheels. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be so excited. It's going to be funny. Uh, and like, is anyone else even in the conversation? Uh, Utah, San Antonio, Minnesota. Utah's a huge wild card. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, they're five and three. Conley's been terrible. Yeah, it's really bad. And he's like a big part of the reason why people were excited about Utah coming into the year thinking mm-hmm. that they were going to be a little bit better is because they're like, well, Conley's going to be the best guy for Mitchell to play off of. And he's a better shooter off the ball than Rubio and all this stuff. But like, it's just, he's played terrible. Yeah, he, so he can figure it as the question is whether he figures it out or not. Right. Yeah. And eight games in, I'm not stressing too much considering his track record. He's been a really good NBA player for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's going to play a lot better. Uh, I just – I don't know what it is, but I'm a little bit just hesitant on Utah. Uh, They've always been hanging around right there in that five, six, seven spot in the West for three, four years now, right? Yeah, and Gobert makes can anchor an incredible defense, and I think Mitchell can go on stretches where he's just one of those guys that you – like, what do you do with? Like, you just – can't guard him um but i don't know i don't know there's just something i even like the pieces they filled in like they're missing a forward size guy and then they signed jeff green and i'm like jeff green like i don't know I, I, he's just like my it, teammate yeah you played with him yeah. right <laughs> that's right 
I think you, I think you told me like of everybody you played with, he was like the last person you would try and block a dunk for because he just oh no, like not a the last man. person. He's the only person you don't attempt to block a, anything. <laughs> if he's coming through the lane and you're the only one left on the basket, you just get out of the way because you're getting hurt. Nothing else is going to happen. No other outcomes. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's just been a really solid NBA player. Like where, <clears throat> wherever he's gone, he's just like he's solid, serviceable. Does a little bit of everything, but ne- not necessarily great at anything. Mm-hmm. But good size, good athleticism. Like there's not a lot of guys his size with his athleticism that can actually play basketball. <laughs> like in the yeah. NBA. there's just a big shortage because every team yeah. needs three or four of those guys, and there's not there's not hundred of those guys floating around. That's true. He fit in really well next to LeBron, I thought, in Cleveland. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, okay, so I saw I saw my answer to the question. So we're not putting Utah up there. We're not putting Phoenix up there. So we got the Lakers, the Rockets, the Clippers as the elite. And the the question is, is Denver or Dallas in there with them? I think I, that is the question. Those teams both have the chance to make the jump because they both have a chance to have a really dynamic two players that can dominate and a deep team because they're both pretty deep. When you really look up and down Dallas, I mean, they got a lot of guys that have been in their system a while that are good players, solid players to kind of compliment uh, Luca and Przingis. And then you got Murray and Jokic. I'm just not a huge believer. I think Murray's really streaky. Yeah. Uh, I went – so they had a – what was it? They had a four-overtime game in um, last year's playoffs with Portland, right? And I'm sitting there, and I actually fell asleep watching the game Friday night, so I finished watching it Saturday morning. I was like, four overtimes? Are you kidding me? I'm yeah. sitting there with my wife Amy on the couch, and I'm like, they play tomorrow in Portland. <laughs> like, yeah. wow. tomorrow in Portland and she's like yeah. do you want to go I'm like okay <laughs> so I like booked a ticket real quick I just drove down there the next morning but I got there really early uh so I could like watch the shoot around and, the wow. whole thing. and uh Murray's sitting here and he's like going through his stuff you know they have like the assistant coaches out there kind of putting a hand up on the shots and stuff they get their shots up with kind of a hand in their face or whatever and he's shooting like these little kind of mid-range kind of slight faders Mm-hmm. And he misses like six or seven in a row. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, I understand he's probably not fully focused and fully whatever because he's warming up. But that's like so I think indicative of that kind of a guy that's just streaky, is all like rhythm type of shooter. And so some games, what do you do with him? But you can't count on that every single night. And I think that's a big problem for uh, their upside and their ceiling because they paid him like a guy year to count on every single night. So if him and Jokic, if Jokic has stretches that he goes a week or two where he doesn't play very well, and then Murray's a little bit inconsistent, that's kind of my concern with them because they need those two to play really well for everything else to click in place. I fully agree with you about uh, Murray, but uh, I mean, this is pretty typical for new guards in the league to have that streakiness. And at some point you'd think the maturity is going to click in. He's 22 years old. So at some point he'll figure that out, whether it's this year or next year or the year after. uh, I guess that'll affect how they do this season. I want to see, what does he shoot from the line? And just for the record, I got a game on uh, the Portland Clippers game right now. Hassan Whiteside's already playing, so he's back. Got it. And then we still got the East left, too. 
after we make our decision on Denver here. Looks like this season so far, oh, 84.4% free throw shooter this season. That is good. <clears throat> and in the past, he's been between 85 and 90 the past four years. That, so I think that bodes really well for him. That's like a consistent form type of a deal. So, um, yeah, no, I'm with you. He is really young. I think he's going to have a really bright future. But that's just what I'm unsure of is, is their this future. Season. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, ne- next year, the year after, uh, okay. I just, I don't know. Would you say the Nuggets playing the Lakers right now would be on level footing? No. So they're not on the same well, tier. Yeah, I think that's kind of looking at it. Yeah. So we're going to put that Denver a step below that other that tier. But I think them and Dallas definitely have the best chance of ending mm-hmm. up in that top tier out of every, everybody else in the – which is crazy that we're not – like Utah was – Coming into yeah. the year, everybody was raving about Utah. They're going to be so good and all this stuff. Dallas popping up, I guess, in our opinion, Dallas popping up above uh, Utah is pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh, so much. They're uh, they're real happy with their Porzingis trade right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah. worked out really well. Yeah, you got two future first-round picks that are going to probably be like 13th and 17th, and they each have a 50-50 shot of being a starter in the league. And we got Przingis, so like, <laughs> have fun with that. Okay, so I'm, I'm with you. We got the Lakers, the, the Clippers, and the Rockets in the top tier in the West, and then we got Dallas and Denver hanging around a little bit below. Yeah. Within striking distance. And the East, I think, is pretty straightforward. You got the, the Bucks and the 76ers. I don't know that there's anybody else really in that tier with them. I mean, so far this season, Boston's in there based on the the wins and losses this season. And Miami's. What about you? You got Miami. You're not gonna. You're not gonna represent for Miami here. You know, I mean, based on their record, sure. Uh, But I just, I don't, I don't don't see Miami. (laughs) I don't see them as on level footing with the Bucks or the Seventy Sixers. I look at the Bucks and they. We were talking about rim production. They have uh, Giannis, then both Lopez's. So yeah. every minute of the game, they have an elite rim protector out there. Like mm-hmm. they're never without, and a lot over half the game they have two of them. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's so huge on their defense, and they're doing some really smart stuff. That I think we're going to see more and more throughout the season. Where last year they let a lot of, they let certain people shoot certain threes and just didn't care. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you're a bad three point shooter. I'm not going to run up above the break and contest it. I'm going to stay down and make sure we get the rebound and I'm going to protect the rim and not draw our defense out. So you can't get to the basket on us. And sure. If you want your worst three point shooters to bomb a bunch of threes from above the the break, go for it. (laughs) We'll see how it works out. And I think it worked out pretty well for him. So I think uh, some of that stuff, you're going to see a little bit more in people's defenses that they're doing. And with, with the honest in there, I, I just, that system is all built around him. I think he's going to do great. And I, the 76ers just have one of the, I don't know if they have the best starting five in the league, but pretty dang close to it. Uh, is, is Simmons injury, do we know if that's serious or not yet? He hurt his shoulder. He like just did a normal kind of bump off move with the ball and banged up his shoulder. I'm going to pull, that, pull up his injury here. I think he's just day-to-day. It's pretty minor is my understanding. Oh, yeah. Came, X-ray comes back negative, so he's good. Yeah, that's good news for them. He so so far of all the games I've watched this season, of any player that just wasn't on my radar that impressed me, Ben Simmons, Simmons uh, like off the dribble is unreal. 
It's like he's, yeah. it's like he makes everyone else look like they're standing still. They, he looks like LeBron uh, off the dribble. He's so fast, so big, so athletic. He's uh, a yeah. really good defender. Mm-hmm. He, he just literally can't shoot. It's the only thing that. Yeah, not at all. No. He's, he's, I think he's attempted 18 three-pointers in his career so far, and he's 0 for 18. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. That's hard to miss, to miss that many and not have one rattle in. <laughs> oh, although, honestly, if, uh, if it was an NBA game, I would probably go over like 50. So oh, I, I can't really say anything. No, adrenaline, <laughs> adrenaline, you'd throw one in there. The adrenaline would pop in. Sooner or later, sooner or yeah. later. Uh, but you shoot it like in half a second because you're like uh, you're assuming the guy under the basket is going to get all the way out there because they're so big but yeah no no I, no you can't because they're going to be laying off you so far they're going to leave you out there alone <laughs> well that that's true nobody's gonna yeah <laughs> but uh I, yeah no i like ben simmons is like he has which a is, chance. which by the way is not that different from what they'll do to ben simmons no not at all yeah face in the world yeah It'll, it'll be interesting whether or not he can develop. It's really hard to be uh, like a, a guard and be like a truly elite, like all NBA type of guy mm-hmm. without at least being able to hit some sort of a jumper. That's why he's so, I mean, impressive to me. I, I don't, he's made a spot for himself with just uncanny vision and off the ball or, or attacking the um, key, like, I haven't seen anybody else in the league do that besides LeBron. He looks a little bit like LeBron off the dribble to me. Well, he, he's like a hybrid of Rondo and uh, Westbrook. He's like got the, a little bit more defensive than Westbrook. He's a good defender like Rondo. He's got a little bit of the passing, and the, but he can't shoot. Like, and yeah. he's, but he's like Westbrook where he's a one-man pass break, and he's, yeah. just, he's just down the, the court. Like you're saying, the, LeBron did the same thing at that age where he grabbed the ball and he's just gone. Yeah, exactly. Is there anybody – would you put anybody else up there? I mean, the Celtics no, – I, I, I need to watch the Celtics more. Have you watched them at all? I have. I, I guess I'm just a little bit uh, – I like Cantor, but Cantor needs to be coming off the bench for them. They need a starting center, a defensive anchor to start – starting center. If they had somebody like that on the team, yeah, like, I don't – I love – Tatum, Brown, Hayward, and Kemba as your one through four. I mean, I don't know what you do with that. Not many teams have the personnel to guard all those guys. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting. I wonder if, if swapping out uh, Kyrie for Kemba I, – I love Kyrie, but I wonder if, there, if, if his chemistry on a team is not – if he's not a good – uh, Im- impact on the team on team chemistry because it seems he doesn't yeah. have a great track record even though he seems like a quality dude I don't know he he's very talented he probably has yeah. many, as many ball skills as anybody who's ever played the game uh, as far as just like dribbling shooting passing like whatever but yeah, there's definitely something uh, interesting to him he's I not- mean if, if if Durant comes back and then they together don't do much we'll know if something's wrong with I, – I don't think – well, no, I think we'll know something's wrong with Kyrie. I mean – I think they're going to essentially do the whole your turn, my turn deal. Yeah. And they're, and they're going to be fine as long well, as the, the Nets organization can figure out how to have a good defense around them. 
Yeah. You have two star players that can score at that level, mm-hmm. and you just do the your turn, my turn, and we put out a good defense, they'll be in yeah. it. <laughs> like, it's going to be fun to watch. But yeah. if, they're, if they're not in it, we'll know something about Tyree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something's off, but. Yeah. Um, so, so to answer your question, I agree with you, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. I'm, I hope, I'll just say that. I hope Boston is right in the mix with them. Yeah. Um, and then I agree with you. I think Miami is similar to Dallas in the West. I think we'll see them like come back down to earth and settle around. I give them a five or six, probably. I'd probably give Toronto the edge over Miami at this point. What would have to happen for Miami to jump up? I think one thing that they do have going for them is they have some bigs that can really shoot. And so they have a uh, Linux and uh oh i can see the guy i'm blanking on his name he got traded from portland great three-point shooter put up a huge game in the playoffs um uh, i'm looking to um is it myers leonard is there starting yeah yeah, yeah yeah myers leonard so i they have some some of these bigs and then uh yeah, rookie, it's been good Nunn. their rookie is starting shooting guard is a is a rookie kendrick nunn yeah. And he started off really strong on fire with hitting like five, three, four or five threes a game. And last three games, he's had like two points. So he yeah. fell off real quick. And so it'll be interesting uh, as they really get used to playing with Jimmy Butler again, because Jimmy Butler's just played his fourth game. Mm-hmm. So that kind of somewhat coincides with <laughs> Nunn's disappearance a little bit, because he essentially took that role back from him as the primary guy that the ball is going to. Uh, but it'll, I think they can put out some scary lineups if things really click, even though right now I think uh, Myers Leonard and Olenek are only playing about 40 minutes a game between the two of them. They're both about 20 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Those two out there at your power forward and center, if you can figure out how to play any sort of defense with those two on the floor, I don't really know how you guard that team offensively. You have Winslow and uh, Butler, and then whoever else, whether it's have you, have you mentioned Bam Adebayo? Yeah, he's he's a nice he's a nice piece because I, I he's more of a defender, so yeah. he's going to get some minutes inside. But I think there's more value there's more value if you can shoot the three as a big than even as a wing or a guard because now you're pulling the rim protector out. Mm-hmm. You're not pulling the six five guy out. Like, okay, that's good. You let me get him out of the way. But you pull the seven footer out of the lane, that mm-hmm. opens up your stuff way more. Like now, who's gonna deal with Jimmy Butler getting inside? Yeah. So I, I think they can be really uh powerful, but I just if those two are your I'm, four, I'm glad you're, I'm you're glad you had so a, many points. I'm glad you had a butt there because I, I was thinking I was gonna disagree with you for the first time tonight. I don't really see them in the mix only only making the playoffs easily because the east is so bad yeah they'll walk right in in the west they'd be in the fight uh, exactly they'd be barely like that seventh eighth seed so i yeah i don't really i would i would put toronto firmly above miami and i think it's a for me it'll be a it's a pretty significant drop off after so i just say i i'd say milwaukee philadelphia boston may be in the mix with those two then I think Toronto's the next year down on its own. And then I think Miami's kind of hanging out below there and nothing else really to note for me. I mean, is there anybody else in the East that you think is even worth mentioning? Indiana, I guess. 
Indiana, I am very interested to see what Indiana looks like when they get Oladipo and uh, Brogdon back playing in the backcourt together mm-hmm. and see, okay, Sabonis and Myers Leonard, how does this whole thing uh, – I think Turner's – is it Turner hurt right now, I think? Yeah. Uh, so he's out. So it'll be interesting once they get healthy and get everybody on the floor – um, they're a team that could be a s- surprise, but it's probably going to take a little bit for Oladipo to get back like 100%. Yeah. And, and really get going to really get to that top tier. Yeah. In, in the East. But as they're, they're probably going to end up as a, a team that you don't want to be matched up in the first round if you're a top four seed. I like, don't want that. I don't want to draw this team because they might get hot a little bit. And yeah. probably gonna, we're probably uh, better, but. I'll put them on the same level as Miami, looking at their roster and their talent, and they've been pretty injured so far this season. I'll put them on, on, on par with Miami, if not a little, a little uh, sliver above Miami. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting in Miami how, how that unfolds, because they've started out way hotter than they really probably people thought they were going to. Uh, and I think Jimmy Butler's going to be great for them. I think that's a great fit culture-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, that he's like the perfect Miami kind of guy. I agree with you on that. You can see that coming from a mile away. Yeah. It's like I listened to a, a podcast uh, with – he was on Vince Carter's podcast, and they're talking about it, and he's like, I love it. <laughs> he's like, yeah. this, is my, this is my culture. <laughs> like, everybody's like this. Everybody's working hard. Everybody's, like, yelling at each other in practice. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the whole thing. And he bakes in his spare time. That's his hobby. So that's a – there you go. Uh, but anyways, that coming. I was like, yeah, I need to get some cookies uh, baked by Jimmy Butler. <laughs> see how those wow. come out. <laughs> but, I did not see that coming. <laughs> but anyway, so you, uh, well, we should probably introduce you. Okay. Yeah. Brian, Brian Jansen. We went to high school together. Play, played a little bit of basketball together. You're the reason I didn't play more. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> and my elbows. I make sure to keep you away with my elbows. With your elbows. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I use my elbows too. I well, I, I guarded you every day in practice is the way that <laughs> that ended up. Uh, but anyways, and then you like you're saying you ended up playing you at Georgetown. That's right, back in the John Thompson, the third days with uh Roy Hibbert, Jeff Green. We had some it was like right at the end of when Georgetown was still a top five, six team in the, in the, in the NCAA. And then we fell off pretty, pretty quick right after I left. So I'll take credit for that with my towel, <laughs> towel waving on the bench. You, you hit a shot though, right? I hit, I hit a shot in the garden, um, banked it, which I did not call, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah was, you hit a shot in the garden at a real d1 game so you know you're a leg up on me so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i'll take it um and then it's kind of funny though because you you've been all all over the earth over the last what 10 years 12 years or whatever and then i called you out of the blue for this fantasy league like hey i'm doing this fantasy league you want in i'm trevor's calling in from wisconsin we'll figure out how to have you call in from columbia or wherever you're you're at and then you're like i just moved back to seattle i think i called you just about the time you moved back yeah it was perfect timing and uh it's hard to follow the nba in columbia um so being back it's a lot 
easier and I'm starting to really get back into it like I was when I left. So you nailed me just at the right time. You, you hit me up just at the right time. I appreciate it. Why is it hard to uh, follow it in Colombia? <sighs> Nobody's talking about it, first of all. My two best friends are probably the biggest basketball fans in the country of Colombia down there. Um, but there's even like a language barrier, like the analysis, the, the level of basketball knowledge in Colombia, even if you love the sport, is just not there. It's more of just an athleticism and who can shoot. So it's, just, it's, it's actually pretty interesting to see basketball has really developed as like an academic endeavor in the United yeah. States. It's, and it's so much, it, you have to be smart to understand what's going on in the NBA. That's not what I've seen, at least in Latin America, even with the biggest fans. There, it's just more of an entertainment, almost like an entertainment value like the WWE or something. It's just a different level of, <laughs> different level of uh, analysis in, in, in uh, the U.S. So I'm very thankful for that. Gotcha. You're a great example. Josh, you're probably the most intelligent NBA analyst I've had the privilege of meeting. Well, I... I don't know about all that, but it is fun. I love the NBA. It's a lot. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I like the analytics stuff. So I've always been kind of a numbers guy, and then I liked playing basketball. And then these world two worlds collided over the last like five or ten years. I was yeah. like, that's kind of cool. But <laughs> yeah, for for those who don't know, Josh is like the guy who was arguably the smartest guy in our high school and did not care about school. But thankfully for us, he cares about the NBA. So it's like, <laughs> it's like taking the guy who would have been top of the class um, and putting him as your uh, NBA analyst, and this, then, then you get Josh Hoover. So, <laughs> Well, hey, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So we'll get rolling through here, your teams, real quick. And uh, so I thought we'd just go through in the order you drafted them. What do you think? Sounds good. You can let me know if I got the order wrong. I think I got it right. But I think you're with your first pick. You took the 76ers, yeah? Yeah, that was just pretty easy, I think. Was yeah, I was think, number two. Who, who, who got picked? Milwaukee was the only pick before? Well, I think oh. you're number three because I took Houston number two. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're – um, and so, so far they're five and two. They've been pretty healthy. They got Shake Milton's coming back. November. Well, I just, I just as a disclaimer, uh, I'll let you continue, Josh, but I think you know, and if you look at my teams, I was just trying to, my strategy was I'm going all East because the East is so bad that I'll take whatever team I can get in the East and that's going to outperform an equivalent team in the West. So that was my strategy for the whole draft. I think you came out pretty well and then you somehow end up, we'll get to them, but you got the San Antonio Spurs as your fourth pick, which... Yeah you got to feel pretty good about because you know they're going to win a bunch of games. So yeah. uh, that, that, was a, that was a real nice pull. And specifically the Atlantic Division, you, you took almost the entire yeah. Atlantic Division. So. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but they've been pretty healthy. Uh, five and two. So the way, the way I kind of break this down, I, I kind of sent you over a deal with a bunch of numbers on it. But there's a couple of different ways that I look at um, a team. And the first way is I just look at what's their effective field goal percentage. So essentially it's just taking threes and moving the percentage up because you get an extra point. So it kind of equates all that out. And then um, how many attempts do they get versus how many attempts do their opponents get? Um, 
that's something that like coaches talk about a lot. Like if you listen, like Steve Kerr's like, well, I want to see who won the turnover or the possession battle. And so what are they really saying? Who got more shots is really what they're saying. So if you listen, coaches mention that all the time, but analysts never talk about it because what they do is they group that into offensive rating and defensive rating. And there's just, there's two things. And so they group it all together. So that's why I just look at how much do you get out of the shots you take on offense? How much do you give up on the shots you give up on defense? And then how are you in the uh, attempts battle? And that's where the 76ers are, are killing people because their, their effective field goal percentage is 52%, but their opponents is 53%. So their opponents are actually getting more per shot than the 76ers. But they're 5-2, and two, and they're going to keep doing that because they have a huge team. So they're getting more attempts. They're getting 103 attempts versus 97 attempts. So they get six more shots every single game. Wow. That's huge. It's big. I hope that'll continue to pay off. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> well, that's what, uh, like the Thunder, if you looked at them last year, that's what they did. And that's what they did a lot is they got a lot of steals and offensive rebounds. So they got a lot more attempts than their opponents. So even though their offense wasn't like good, their, uh, all their percentages and stuff, they still end up winning games. Mm-hmm. Um, and is anybody else in the league doing anything similar to that to the Sixers? You know, I'd have to I'd have to look through it in more depth. I really just kind of went through the teams that you have on here, but I'll I'll, I'll create some fancy spreadsheet that will show us all that so we can look, I look forward to it on a bigger on a bigger scale. Um, the Raptors are doing the opposite. <laughs> They're giving up way more attempts than they're getting, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get to them in a second. So the, after I kind of look at that, it gives me an idea of what's going on. And so then I like to kind of turn and look at, okay, points per game, opponents, points per game, differential, right? So they're scoring 113 points a game. Opponents are scoring 107. Um, I just round. It's, so they have like a five and a half point differential. Uh, now, the third way I look at it is there's like the transition and second chance point battle because outside of having a star player, that's going to create really good opportunities for others. Second chance points and transition is where you're going to get good looks and high quality shots. And that's why those percentages are always way higher than just normal half court, half court uh, offense. But the way I look at it is, okay, great. My transition's really good, but what are my opponent's second chance points is like? Because do I just have guys breaking out, but I'm not getting the rebound? So I'm getting a bunch of transition, but I'm giving up a ton of second chance points on the other end. Does that kind of make sense? And then vice versa, if I'm getting a ton of second chance points, but they're getting a ton of fast break points, am I really coming out ahead? And so kind of looking at that ratio. Um, makes sense. So did, is that a standard in the league, or did you come up with that one? I don't know. I just always think I've always thought about it that way with basketball. Oh, we'll call that the. Hoover ratio. <laughs> but did we, so the, the 76ers, they're getting four, 14 and a half second chance points a game, which number one in the league is like 16 and a half. So they're at the very top of the league and they're giving up 9.1. So that's <laughs> towards the bottom of the league. So that's their size. You can just see their size there. They're getting, controlling the boards. They're getting more opportunities. They're getting more chances there. Uh, transition, their opponent's transition, uh, they're giving up 16 points a game, which is towards the top of the league. 
um, which isn't very good. And they're only getting 12. So that's kind of towards the bottom of the league. Uh, but they're crashing the boards and they're a big team. So the other team's getting out um, in the open court from them. But they're giving up. There's two ways you give up a lot of transition. You're either turning the ball over a lot. And so it's like live ball mm-hmm. run down or you're crashing the boards a lot. Mm-hmm. And so the other team has numbers. And so they're pushing it. I would much rather be crashing the boards and give up my transition that way. Cause I still have some defense back as yeah. opposed to I'm just turning it over and it's one on none and they're laying it in the other end. Mm-hmm. But what did you see from the 76ers? Um, for, for, I mean, I, I don't know the numbers like you do. I just am in awe of Ben Simmons. I think it hurts when they, Lose um, Embiid, um, but yeah, their their role players are amazing. I think when that picking up Tobias Harris a couple years ago, he fits in perfectly to the mix. So I just expect them to keep dominating like they are and uh, rival the Bucks. Yeah, and Harris is a guy that can create off the bounce, which they really really need mm-hmm. because it's great having Simmons, but. When you get into clutch situations and the guy handling the ball can't shoot, and your other and your main go-to guy is a a seven-two guy, that he's really good, but he's not also not this amazing shooter. He's amazing for being seven feet tall, but he's not amazing for I need to win a game right now and who do I give the ball to? <laughs> mm-hmm. So having somebody like Tobias Harris, I think, can really help him um, a little bit more. So Josh Richardson's a really good shooter too. Probably yeah, a better. I just I just got to put out there. I'm not a Josh Richardson fan. Oh, you he, don't like him. I don't like him. I, I don't like he he. he in, I mean, in the last game they were down three. I be, no, they were down four, and he took a pull up two pointer at the free throw line as a buzzer beater. Like okay, so he lost by two. He's like he did, and he made a play before that that was just totally unaware. Also, so I'm not a Josh Richardson fan from what I've seen. I gotcha. He's he's a good defender and he can hit up the open three. And I mm-hmm. think in Philadelphia as really, what is he, the fifth best guy in their starting lineup? I think yeah. he's an awesome fit. In Miami last year when they were trying to have him create and be one of the top guys, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it's, I, it's strange. I don't, I don't see, and this is totally subjective, I admit, but I don't see confidence on him. Uh, maybe I'm just missing his best moments, but – the way he moves, the way he like, he's not decisive, but the way he plays. And I'd love to hear if anyone, if you or, or anyone else disagrees with me on that, but I don't know. If you can't tell, I'm not a big Josh Richardson fan. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, I, if, like you said, being the fifth best player on the court, I'll take that. I'll take him. Yeah. I think uh, they're, they're going to be in pretty good shape with that depth. It's just going to be a lot to me uh, is looking at him going, okay, what's coming off their bench? Mm-hmm. I don't – I still don't under – I don't have an answer for that. I'm checking it out right now. Let's see. Well, they have Korkmaz, who's been playing, I think, the most off the bench. Yeah. Thib- Thib- he, he, had, he hit a game with him. Korkmaz hit a game winner for him the other day. Yeah, he did. He's, he's scoring like eight points a game, getting a couple rebounds. Uh, Thibault, I love as a prospect. His defense is ridiculous. He's one of those guys that's just all over. Uh, I was hearing him uh, do like an interview the other day, and he's he's like, oh, I, I consider myself like a playmaker. You know, you have it's not like so much like a 
like a one-on-one lockdown guy, but like a playmaker where I'm going to make plays all over for the defense and big stuff or whatever, which is great. But when you're a rookie trying to do that in the NBA gets vets, you're just going to get burnt a lot. So I don't think, I don't know how much he's actually going to help the team win in mm-hmm. his rookie year. Uh, so we'll yeah. see. Mike Scott's a solid vet, but man, if I'm counting on him for more than 10 minutes a game, I'm a little he's weak. Yeah, that's, that's a weak spot there. I, but I got to say at center, I like Kyle O'Quinn backing up Embiid. I've seen flashes of becoming a good NBA player from Kyle O'Quinn, and he just he's always in that backup big man role playing 10, 15 minutes a game. But I think he's a really solid backup for Embiid. I, no, I agree. I've seen him a number of times where I'm just like, for a back, I've, you nailed it. For a backup, he's perfect. He's mm-hmm. always somebody that I was wondering if he was going to kind of figure out a way to take another step. Exactly. I don't know. How but old now is he's he now? 29. Yeah, <laughs> like, a little late now. He's taking another step. <laughs> but he can yeah. be a really good backup on the yeah. – them. But, the yeah, Richardson is just – here's what he gives you, though, is you're getting 15 points a game, mm-hmm. four rebounds, four assists, and a steal and a half. Mm-hmm. His defense is really solid. And there's just not that many guys in the league that are going to score 15 plus points, give you four assists, four rebounds, and good defense. There's just I can't not think that. of any. You're right. So, but it's again, I if he's if he's your go-to guy, if he's trying to create off the the bounce for your team, and you're trying to run an offense through him, I don't want him thinking through these things. I just want to be catch and shoot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to say the the scary thing about Philly is if they have even one of their scores go like we know that Ben Simmons can't score. So if they lose like Tobias Harris, they're pretty weak there. And, or, yeah. or if, if they lose Harris or Embiid, who we know is injury prone, suddenly they're not in that top tier. I don't think. So th- I think they're going to be great as long as they don't get plagued by injury. Yeah. They're, they're an incredible uh, starting five. Mm-hmm. But that's it. There's nothing I, else. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing off the bench to hang your hat on. Anything uh, else on anything else on the 76ers? Nothing else. That just uh, I'm gonna, I'm leaving with a bad taste in my mouth after after noticing that. So yeah, got a little like uh, question mark there with their just as long as they stay healthy, great. But nope, that's all I got on the Sixers. All right, and then we got the Celtics. Your second round pick, five and one. Uh, six and one tonight oh six correct correct yeah. just one all the numbers all the numbers that we go through and that i have on here i pulled on uh november 6th um for all the records and the the pace and all whatever okay uh, all type of stuff um but they got like jalen brown enos Cantor. were they back today um let me pull it up Ooh, oh no, Gordon Hayward, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. That sounds like Utah Gordon Hayward. Well, he put up, what, 39 the other night on the Cavaliers? Wow. Yeah. If you really look at it, the last year, it was a weird year for him, and he didn't play that many minutes, but he, he still scored. Like, I don't, I don't know. He just didn't take as many shots. But as far as his efficiency and stuff, it wasn't that far off what he did in Utah. He just wasn't the focal point of what was going on. Uh, yeah. Kyrie and everything else, but. It takes a year to get back from a crazy injury like that. He might be back. He might be back now. And if he is, then we're looking at that same team that Celtics thought they were building last year. Yeah. 
And with a oh. with a step up, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with my theory that that Kyrie's not helpful to chemistry. I'm gonna say a step up at point guard with Kemba. I don't disagree with you. I really like Kemba. I've always been a huge fan of his, and I was happy to see him leave Charlotte because they just didn't put a good team around him. Uh, I gotta love. I honestly though, my favorite player on their team is probably Marcus Smart. I yeah. love Marcus Smart. He's, he's not like, the best player, but he's my favorite player. He would, could you say that he's like the. Uh... Well, he can shoot too. I was gonna say he's like the Patrick Beverly of the East, but but Marcus Smart can make some threes. Yeah, Beverly could shoot a little bit too, though. I mean, neither one. Uh, Marcus Smart is much more likely to shoot uh, pull up threes. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. That, really, yeah. that's where it's a little like iffy. Like, but yeah. uh, he's definitely one of those guys that uh, he. How do you say this? He has the game. To be like a go-to scorer, dobbed it like all-star player. He's just not quite good enough as a shooter to do that. Yeah, so that thing it's is. like every fourth game he has it going, and he's like, "Oh man, like I'll let him play offense and defense." Yeah. but that's when he's got to come off the bench, right? Because those yeah. guys, you can just put them right back on the bench if they're not having a that's rough night. True. That's really true. <laughs> the only way you're getting back in the game is if you just go play defense. <laughs> like, don't worry yeah. about scoring. Uh, okay. So yeah, Cantor's still not back. They just don't have any. He's only played one game. Yeah, he's only played one game for him. And I like him. I like him in this in, with this mix. Yes, offensively, yeah. those five on the floor. Yeah, I don't know how you guard it. Cantor's I, one of the best offensive centers in the league. He There's is. not many, very many centers that are better offensively because he has and a ton I, of offensive rebounds. I, I can I can think of so many games where the core two or three players on whatever team he's been on are just not feeling it and he comes in and scores like eight points in the third quarter in the last four minutes of the yeah. third quarter to, to keep them keep his team in the lead or push them get them right back in the game and it's just a cancer show for like five minutes and he just so the other guys can get a breather and then come right back in and do what they do so I love him there yeah no I, I do too but again he's somebody that I want coming off the bench yeah he's, I see he, your he, point he could be a spark plug what they used to do in OKC is he would be Adam's backup, but mm-hmm. then they would go big and put him at power forward, and the two of them would just dominate the offensive glass and just, like, pound on him. Boom, 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 boom. And it's nice to be able to kind of use him in different configurations, but it's just really hard because he's so bad defensively. Even if you drop the big and do some things so he's not as exposed out in space on the floor, that's great, but you're dropping a big that's not really great at protecting the rim, so you're not going to have the advantages. So what kind of teams will they struggle most against if they have cancer at the center and they have that defensive uh, vulnerability? What what teams will most be able to capitalize on on that? So if you – on that type of thing with their, their aspirations, we got to go through the top teams in the league, right? Mm-hmm. And so you go through, okay, well, who, who's going to make him pay? Well, the Bucks, they don't really have the personnel to make him pay, I don't think. I agree um, with you on that. He's going to be standing out guarding uh, Brooke Lopez at the three-point line, and the Celtics are like, perfect. <laughs> like, yeah. Protect the rim anyways. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the the Raptors, no, okay, but Mark Gasol, he's actually a pretty decent matchup for. I yeah, mean, the speed is, <laughs> is comparable. Yeah, and uh, you're really looking for, like, those Golden State-type teams from, like, yeah. when – Back when Billy Donovan was like, I can't play him on the sideline. And he was like, can't play Cantor was his nickname. Because like, Golden State, every time they just go straight at him, they do a pick and roll, get him on Curry or whoever um, he's guarding, and they just go right by him. So it's yeah. those teams with those dominant ball handlers. 
I, I think the Clippers would absolutely roast him. Yeah. Clippers. I, well, what about Philly? I think Philly would attack him too. So I think I agree with you that in, in the East, they're okay against Milwaukee and they're okay against, um, what was it? Oh, what was Toronto. it? Toronto. Toronto. Uh, but I think Philly would also expose him. Yeah. They, with, ben, with Ben Simmons, with Embiid. Um, I, I mean, Embiid might just be too big for him on the block. Exactly. And Cantor's always been a pretty good post defender. And mm-hmm. so if you if you can exploit him that way, if he just can't guard Embiid and he just overpowers him, yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to get really scary really fast because then what do you do with him? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Clippers, I think, would Dyson, but I think like the Lakers, I don't know. They they play a little too big. It's a yeah. little more. They're going a little more traditional. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of teams that are playing a little bit bigger this year, which makes guys like Cantor uh, less vulnerable on a regular basis throughout the year um, mm-hmm. because of their foot speed. But no, I think they're going to do really well. I do. My only concern is how can they have a good offense with really no center. Because it's a pretty big drop-off. It's not like they have a lot of uh, – I mean, they've been uh, they've been starting Daniel uh, Theus, I think is how you say it. Yep. The your guy came over from Europe. He's a little bit older. I like him, but he's not – I don't know. He should be your first big off the bench. He he's can only kind of play power eight, forward dude. center. Yeah, like who's protecting the rim? Robert yeah. Williams can, but he's really young and – he might block some shots and get some steals and stuff, but is he really in good position on a regular basis to give you a top tier defense? Like I'm unconvinced I'm rooting for him. Cause I really like their team. I like a lot of their players. I like almost, I like their six best players like a lot. Yeah. They could, they could use any of those Portland centers sitting there hanging out in Portland, either injured or. <laughs> like, well, it's, or you know. If, Hayward's looking like he's playing better. If he didn't look like he was playing better this year and he was looking really rough, yeah. I'd be like, they should flip him for Steven Adams from the Thunder and throw him some draft capital and pull yeah. Adams back and stick him in there. Uh, but if Hayward's playing well, it doesn't make like might as well just keep Hayward and be smaller and have all this yeah. talent on the perimeter. Like so. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, anything else? Have like an Andrew Bogut type guy who just appears when someone like him is needed. Right. <laughs> he plays in uh, Australia, Australia for the yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly okay the season's over any yeah. playoff teams need a backup center exactly <laughs> and him Boston should pull him yeah, yeah. He, he might he might be a little a uh, little washed we'll, we'll see yeah, yeah I, I love yeah. Bogut but uh, he, he might be a little bit a little bit washed now the Boston they're getting hurt right now so they're giving up 14 and a half points on second chance points that's been kind of their big um, top of the league, 16 and a half points average is like 13. So they're kind of in that upper tier, giving up second chance points, just because they don't have any size. They have a lot of forward size guys, but no real size there. Um, and they're, but they're also not getting out in transition. So if you're giving up second chance points and you're, they're getting like 11 points in transition, league average is about 13 points a game. Um, they're just they're not doing a whole lot in the transition second chance stuff they're just at a deficit there a little bit so they just have to outplay uh the rest of the team but they are getting more attempts so they're getting up uh about four more shots per game than their opponent 
And that's how they're winning games because their, their field goal percentage is 1% better than their opponents as far as their effective field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. So they're really winning games uh, similarly to the 76ers where they're getting up to not quite as many more as the 76ers are, but they're getting up more shots than the other team. Um, mm-hmm. So cool. Anything else on the Celtics? Nothing else on the Celtics. I'm a fan. I'm hoping they can hang right up there with uh, Philly and uh, Milwaukee. That's the thing I love about this year is, is like there's a top tier in like between the two uh, East and West of about five teams that are all like pretty even footing. And there's like four more teams that could be in that same mix. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I have no idea who's going to end up in the finals at the end. There's a lot of teams that can legitimately get there. Yeah, totally agree. Raptors five and two. Uh, effective field goal percentage, 55%. Their opponents is 48%. So they're getting a big, uh, a big jump there. But attempts, they're getting up 97, and their opponents are getting up 106. Wow. That's incredible. I'm, like, shocked that they're winning games, to be honest with you. Um, but their opponents are getting second-chance points. Their opponents are getting 14 second-chance points to their six second-chance points. I'm not surprised looking at their roster. Marc Gasol is... I, I love him. Very talented, but he's a, he's soft as your starting center. Yeah. And they're not crashing the boards at all. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just, they're getting like six second chance points a game. Um, but they're giving a below average transition, 11 points a game. Average is about 13. Bottom of the league's nine. Um, and, and they're, but they get out and transition themselves. So they're getting 19 points a game um, mm-hmm. in transition, which is a huge part of how they're creating a lot of their, lot of their offense gosh I just don't see that the second chance points I don't see that get like you know you you if you want to see a statistic change you you look wait for some like trigger that's actually going to make things go differently I know we're still early in the season but I don't see that number improving no I I don't think so either Ibaka's uh always quietly been a terrible rebounder for his size and in theory athleticism like yeah he's a very robotic player he's not a very fluid player and I think that affects his ability to kind of mix it up and get in the right position to get the rebound. Um, it's like, yeah, the same, same thing. He can shoot a really good set standstill jumper, but man, make that guy make a decision or put the ball on the ground. And it gets really scary, really fast. Yeah. And Gasol is just not mobile. I mean, I think I see, I, I feel like Toronto is a little bit similar to they're going to, they remind me of like the traditional stereotype of the Spurs. I think they just have so much talent. They know how to win. Um, they're very fundamental. Um, got a great system. But I don't expect them to be able to take down the elite teams. I just yeah. think they'll have a great regular season record. Yep. Well, they're, they're probably going to have a pretty good home record. Uh, I don't know. Everybody has to go through customs, right? <laughs> it just makes it more difficult to travel and play me. And like you're saying, they play a good system. They play, they know what they're trying to do. They're trying to make sure they don't give up transition points and they're trying to make sure they get transition points. They're trying to win that battle. They, they get eight more points in transition every game than their opponents, which is mm-hmm. a pretty big difference. So they have a clear like identity, which is something I kind of look for in a team because the teams where you look up and down, you're like kind of like the New York Knicks. You're like, Oh, there's a lot of pretty solid guys here. I don't understand how they're going to play or what they're trying to accomplish. Those teams, they feel like they always underperform their talent. It's like, yeah, I see all these guys, but like, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to be a good transition team, second chance team? Like, 
defensive studs? Like what are, what are they, what are they doing here? And so that's one thing in the favor of the Raptors. They have that clear identity and Pascal Siakam, 26 points. Yeah. He's just amazing. I, gosh. And he seems, he does have the composure. He has, he reminds me almost of Clay Thompson and that I see him just consistent. I don't see him going through dry spells. Um, yeah. It's just consistently getting better every season. He knows who he is and obviously doesn't hurt to win championships. So, All right. It makes you feel real good. Yeah. Well, I, I like that he's getting almost four assists a game. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's a position to be – I mean, he already potentially – arguably is the best player on the team, but he's positioned to be the face of that team yeah. going forward because Kyle Lowry's getting older and nobody else is really a big name for them. So he's like – that's kind of his team. It's getting to the point where after Kyle Lowry kind of takes a step back, that's his team if he stays. Yeah, I, OG Ananobi's a real nice player, but he's not a guy you build around. But he's mm-hmm. a real nice guy to put next to Siakam yeah. um, in there. And then Fred Van Vliet, we'll see if they re-sign him and bring him back. Uh, but him and him and Lowry are both getting some assists. They're both around seven assists a game. Lowry, 24 points a game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. not surprised at all. Yeah, I love it. Oh, he's trying to be like, man, we're good still. We're defending our championship. He's got to think that way, and he would. I love that. And uh, I hope that they continue to think that way. That I yeah. hope they continue to view themselves as the top team in the East. Yeah, that's, that's all the rumblings, right? That's like the Giannis, the Giannis destination. And you'll never I, – and I'm sure those rumblings didn't come from anybody in Toronto or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, although we'd also you don't also don't want to put them in the category of uh, I think it was J.R. Smith after LeBron left saying we're still the team to beat in the East, so can't throw that around too loosely. <laughs> there's a line to walk there. I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a line to walk where uh, I don't know. It's always one of those tough things, right? You don't want to give people that like bulletin board material. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, I don't think J.R. Smith even really ended up playing all that deep. I don't think he did either. Yeah. <laughs> he played like maybe a couple of games. I think they were still paying him. They quietly were like, yeah, don't really need you around anymore. <laughs> yeah, we'll still pay you. Just yeah, stay yeah. home. Yeah, exactly. like, but he just disappeared. Like He did, yeah. Nobody – I didn't hear any rumblings about him this offseason, really. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what he's doing, but uh, that that uh, shot at the end of the game. Oh yeah, well, yeah I mean, everybody knows about that, right? But that's the that's <laughs> the, the memes that came from it. Yeah, but that's the problem because that was always his reputation when he was younger before he started playing with LeBron. Is like yeah. yeah, he can jump out of the gym, he can shoot, but that's it. Like he doesn't he doesn't think the game, any yeah. of this stuff. And then it almost was like, well, he played with LeBron, and his reputation went way up. I think that one play killed all of that it, increase it, in the reputation. It, it went from being like J.R. Smith helped LeBron in Cleveland to be like LeBron won in Cleveland even with J.R. Smith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the one play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, play. and you're right. He has not been back in the NBA since that play. I mean, that, <laughs> that, was, that may have been it for him. Yeah, they had they had a few more games, I think, that series. But yeah, he was like done. That was like yeah, he's thirty four now. Interested? Yeah, he's thirty four. So that could have been it. He is. Do they draft in the big three? Is he going to be like a top draft pick? You think the coming in here <laughs> in the big three? I don't. I don't know. Uh, could be. I think they would. He would be great for ratings. 
Oh, three on three? Man. Yeah. I saw Reggie Evans running around. I was like, Reggie Evans. Okay. I love me some Reggie Evans. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else on the Raptors? Nope. I just I want them to keep doing what they're doing and keep expecting to be top of the East. Whether that's whether that's realistic or not, I hope they keep playing like they are. All right. So we got the San Antonio Spurs. Pretty good for your fourth pick. I mean, uh, when you have six go that you're that is essentially in the 20s so you're picking at like 22 23 something like this and you picked up the spurs uh that that was a pretty good call there, there was like a few picks right before that that was like quietly being like really really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then the spurs were sitting there so yeah I, I feel really happy about that well it's really hard because when you look at their roster kind of what they're doing they're not doing what anybody else is doing they're shooting a ton of mid-rangers the rosens kind of got like yeah a lot of people are like, he's not really even that good and all this noise going on. But then today they got a bunch of NBA players in Popovich. So they're going to be a 500 and if you're four, number four teams, 500. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. And they won again tonight. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so now I guess they're five and three, but as of yesterday, they were four and three when I pulled all this stuff yeah. on number six. Uh, so the, their points per game, they're getting 111 points per game. Opponents are getting like 110, 109.6 if we want to be exact. So they're uh, plus 1.4. Their opponents are actually – they're winning the free throw battle is what they're doing, but they're pretty average right around uh, 50 – just under average, I should say. They're at 50% like effective field goal percentage, 51% for their opponents. That's all pretty normal. They're getting out in transition uh, a little bit. They're at 18 – top of the league's 19.3 in transition but their opponents are also getting out their opponents are getting 16 um, and their second chance is like 12 points a game and their opponents are 12 points a game so there's not really uh, an advantage that they're getting there Um, but what are you thinking on the on the san antonio spurs you're gonna have to tell me who half their players are. I'm looking. At <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like it seems like the Spurs from three years ago is their entire second team. Yeah. Um, we got Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, Bellinelli, um, Lamarcus Aldridge. People keep saying every year he's gonna he's gonna step off this year, step down, and he hasn't um the point guard is the most exciting spot on the spurs roster right now those back and forth Derek white and murray yeah um who is bryn forbes their shooting guard so he he's been with them for a little bit he can shoot i mean that's really what you need to know about him he's he's like uh he's a system player that that can absolutely shoot and it gives them a, they have a lot of good guards Mm-hmm. Between Murray and White are both really good defenders. And then you have Forbes and Mills that are both kind of like a little bit of spark plugs to play their off guard role. Mm-hmm. And so that's really those four, are their backcourt. Um, and then you have DeRozan and Aldridge in the front court. The problem is they don't have a, and then Rudy Gay off the bench in the front court, which I think is a real, I, he's a real nice piece off the bench mm-hmm. yep. to kind of balance your second unit, um, especially if you have him and Patty Mills out there. That's some NBA scoring that you got to deal with on the second unit. That's how they won last year. Is their starting unit actually had a negative? They got outscored, and their bench just killed everybody. 
So it's like, okay, starters, don't lose by too much. And then our bench can still win it for wow, us. Yeah. Um, so they're going to probably have to pull a little bit of the same stuff this year because they don't have that third guy in the front, the front court, really. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. They need another – they signed Marcus Morris, and he was supposed to come play for him, but he, he backed out at the last minute because the Knicks offered him a one-year $15 million deal. So he's like, oh, I'm just going to go to the next <laughs> yeah. this deal. But they could really use Marcus. Um, yeah, he would Morris. really round out their roster nicely. Well, him, DeRozan, and Aldridge in the front court is yeah. something to deal with. Um, yeah. I feel like Aldridge and DeRozan in the front court just kind of, okay, you're competitive, but what advantage are you really getting? Uh, mm-hmm. You don't have the big man to anchor a defense or another creator on the perimeter or – they're hoping yeah <laughs> I, I mean Trey, Trey I, Lyles has been starting for him hoping to yep. get a little spacing I I would I always expect DeMar DeRozan to be the leading scorer but I'll have to check this I feel like Aldridge is outscoring DeRozan so far this year Aldridge is only at 16 a game right now oh really but he had like 39 in one T- tonight or yeah he had 39 tonight against oh the then that's then that'll probably go up quite a bit that's the tough yeah. part like we're just now getting to the point of the year where we'll even talk about stats. Like, you know, once yeah. we get 79 games, oh, okay, we'll start talking. Uh, yeah. But until you're at like 10 plus, 12 plus games, each game just counts too much. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, DeRozan, I don't know. I don't know if he's like, is DeRozan like an elite player? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think he's a good enough defender and he doesn't shoot threes. Mm-hmm. and That's, so he's a he's a really good mid-range player which is which is great but i just don't especially as he ages he's not going to age very well that's true like how is he going to get to the hoop and so now you're just going to be like all mid-range that, yeah. that's why i think kobe didn't age great it's like he, he was money in that mid-range but once he started really losing a step where guys could really keep up with him and he can't get those open that's a that's hard to be successful on a steady diet of contested mid-rangers. Yeah. But well, what, is, what is he at right right now? How many assists does he get? Because his game, Four as far point. as I can, that's not too bad. Five assists a game for your small forward is pretty solid, really. But they run a lot of the offense through him. So he's kind of like a point forward a little bit. But um, that type of game where you know the shots they're getting isn't going to be that efficient, but they can get them at any time. You need guys like that to get shots at the end of the shot clock. Uh, but hopefully those same guys are also getting assists so they're, they're creating efficient offense for other guys because you know their shots aren't going to be that efficient. Mm-hmm. But, um, so on one hand, I love having him and DeRo- Aldridge together because they're two of the best mid-range players in the league. And so you can kind of build your team around that. And you also have Patty Mills, who's really good at getting into the mid-range and hitting some pull-ups. Uh, so you can kind of build a team around that. And the rest of the league – is focused on guarding the three-point line and the hoop. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to give you those mid-range shots. So if you're an elite mid-range shooter, you can take advantage of that. But uh, I feel like they're a front-court player short of being like a really good team. You know, you just hit on the head. I just pulled up his season by season. Just scoring averages, he went up up through his first four, five, six, just up by one or two points a game increase. I mean, the most steady increase you can imagine – up to his peak in 2016, 2017 uh, at 27 points per game in Toronto. So then I'm thinking of him as an elite player, like in, in top tier of 
NBA, um, definitely for his position. And then now he's just dropping by four points a game, three points a game, and now he's down to below 20 a game right now. So I, I see the aging thing. I think you hit it right on the head. I think he could fall off real quick next year or two, and we might not know him three, four years from now. I might not be hearing anything about him except for at the end of a bench on some team. Yeah, and that's where I was really nervous for the Spurs because I love them as an organization, but there was a lot of talk that they're going to extend him. And I'm like, you uh, give this guy like $25 million a year for like three years or something stupid, and he's making so much money right now, like it's really hard to negotiate like, yeah, we're going to give you 40% of your current salary. Like, without which is the market. probably what he deserves if we're, if we're looking, if we're talking about the same thing right now. I, I agree. Yeah. But if, if, but without the market standing there telling him that, yeah, it's a really hard conversation because he's your own player that you want to have a good season this year. And it's like, really? You're like a $12 million a year guy. It's yeah. Like, what do you mean I'm a $12 million a year guy? Exactly. <laughs> There's guys coming off the bench making that. Yeah, you know, have you thought about coming off the bench? Yeah. <laughs> 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 we we got to replace Rudy Gay in the next couple of years. So yeah. we, we slide right into that role. <laughs> that's, that's inevitable. It's funny, but it's, that's, that's what's next. So see how those well, conversations go. And there's certain players that are smart, like Vince Carter, and look ahead and see it coming. And they're like, okay, let me lose a little bit of weight. Let me shift, figure out my three-point shooting a little bit more. Let me tweak my game a little bit so I can be in the league for as long as I want to be. And then there's people like Allen Iverson, Carmelo Anthony. You're like, why would I come off the bench? Yeah. Iverson. I'm Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Are you kidding me? They say, yeah, yeah, no, you should come off the bench. Then you play second unit guys, and you're still good enough to create good shots against second unit guys. You're just not good enough to create shots against the best defensive stopper on the other team yeah anything else on the spurs that's it all right so we got last i was gonna say but not least but you know probably least <laughs> like last and least yeah, definitely least. yeah <laughs> so do you have the do you have the draft order up right now uh i can pull it up because i i remember i was down my last pick and it was between new york cleveland and one other team and I'm, I've, I've been wondering this whole time, what was that last team that I chose Cleveland over? I chose them over New York, which I thought was a huge mistake. And so far, it's not, I'm not regretting it. Uh, seems like New York's not, not, was nothing to hope for, even at that bottom tier, as being anything better than anybody else. So uh, you had the, you drafted the Cavaliers, and the Knicks and the Hornets were still on the board. So if I would have had the Hornets right now, my, my, uh, I would have really had a commanding lead. You, you would have, but yeah. here's something about the Hornets. Yeah. Four and four, but they've gotten outscored by 7.6 points per game on average. Wow. So they have the second worst differential in the East, but they're four and four. And they have, uh, oh, they just are slightly better than the Grizzlies. So they're bottom five in the league in differential. Wow. Four and four. So I don't know that you're going to come out behind on the Cavaliers. Yeah. Especially considering uh, Garland's been terrible for him so far. But he's got a lot of talent. So he's probably going to contribute a little something. Honestly, I I wanted to get excited about the Cavaliers this year. But then at the end of the day, I'm like, you got a second-year guard and a first-year guard that are both scorers. Mm -hmm. That are going to be handling the ball a lot. They're going to turn the ball over. They're going to be inefficient. They're going to even... Kevin Love's not going to be able to do enough to pull their offense into a top tier. And if you're playing Kevin Love and 
two young guards at your backcourt positions and Tristan Thompson at center, you're not going to have an elite defense either. Yeah, Larry Nance Jr. is a nice boost off the bench. It's great that you don't have to start him. He's super springy. I actually really like that trio uh, in the front court. Mm -hmm. I'm just – I can't believe – They could pull it together. They could pull this together and be be a – be a lower <laughs> like like maybe like a number 10 team and best probably best case scenario so so far they're scoring 111 points a game and their opponents are scoring 112 um, so they're like a negative 1.4 points every game they're mm-hmm. getting up one more shot than their opponents but they're they're at 50 percent effective field goal percentage which is a little bit below average and then they're giving up like 54 and a half, which is near the top of the league. Mm-hmm. And that's where they're getting killed. But what I'm really concerned about when I look at them is when I think Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, I'm like rebounding. That's what I think of, right? Like they're yeah. going to be able to control the boards and, and do everything. Okay. Well, they're getting rebounds, but right now they're, they're, the, they're getting like 11 second chance points a game and their opponents are getting 14. And then on top of that, their opponents are getting out and getting 14 points in transition, which is above average for second chance giving up and for transition giving up. Uh, so, but they're not getting second chance points. So if you're not getting second chance points and you're giving up points in transition and the other team's getting more tra- second chance points, I'm just like, that's not going to work. They need to be a dominant offensive rebounding team, I think. Is this, this like team. hustle? Is this like a hustle factor? Well, I, I, I think it's – there's probably some of that. Kevin Love hasn't been back the whole I well let me pull this up, but I'm pretty sure he missed he missed time, yeah. Or am I just making that up? You might be making that up. <laughs> I'll pull it up. We'll never No, I'm making that up. He's he's played in seven games. Um but like he's getting fourteen and a half rebounds a game. Tristan Thompson's getting eleven and a half rebounds a game. Nance is getting six rebounds a game. Uh so they, that's what I mean, though. Like they really need to win those second chance points because their guards are going to miss a ton of shots. That's mm-hmm. just what young guards do. Yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> yep. They turn the ball over and they miss a ton of shots. So if they're not if they're not handily winning that, they're they're going to have a long shot in a lot of games. But uh, I've always you know, believed in Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love as a kind of a duo up front. They were, I yeah. think, very underrated playing with the LeBron at how much they brought to the game with not being, um, I don't know, they're really good rebounders. Like they're just skilled, they're nice basketball players. I don't know how to say that. Like, but I just like watching them together. It's just they can't protect the rim, and neither one's uber athletic. So mm-hmm. it's like, what's what's the excitement about um, Darius Garland? Because I'm looking at his stats, and his stats are nothing to get excited about. The excitement is definitely on his potential. Okay. <laughs> so he, he's a rookie this year. He's seven games in. Uh, so, but what is he, 29% field goal percentage right now? 25% from three? Hasn't gotten into double-digit scoring. Hasn't passed five assists. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. They're they're really hoping that he rounds out and can be a nice player. Um if I'm if I'm the Cavaliers, though, I'm really just hoping Sexton or Garland develops into a top tier kind of guard, yeah. and then the other one's a really nice backup. 
I mean, that's sense. really what I'm hoping. Sexton's I mean, a lot point guards. Yeah, Sexton's a lot closer to that than Garland right now. But that's understandable because Garland's a rookie. But yeah, Sexton didn't start out great last year, and he kind of came on as the year went on and got a little bit better. But even Trey Young yeah. last year, who's getting so much noise right now for being this amazing prospect and incredible player and all this first half of last year people were wondering if he was going to make it in the league because it's very so true and now he's like top, one of the top point guys in the league but um, everything just got harder right the passing windows got smaller mm-hmm. the length got longer you can't just blow by people anymore because everybody's super athletic so you got to figure out a whole new way to score and get your advantages and everything so it i don't know Wings seem to be able to come in the quickest in the NBA. Mm-hmm. If you're doing like catch and shoot, and I'm just big and strong and athletic, like more so than the guards, which is a lot of skill and mental game based. Mm-hmm. Well, if one is going to step apart, I think it's going to be Sexton because, as I said, Garland has not broken into double digit scoring yet, and Sexton has not scored less than double digits yet this season, averaging like looks like about 18 a game. So, yeah. if they're hoping for one guard to stand out this season, it's definitely Sexton so far. The, the scary part is he has two assists a game. Yeah, don't hide. <laughs> don't <laughs> you know like it's like, uh, and so Kevin Love is leading the team in assists wow. with four. That says something. <laughs> That's probably the most important stat I've heard since we started talking about him. That tells yeah. you how they're playing. <laughs> A lot of guys trying to get their own shot, and you yeah. don't have enough talent to do it. Seti Osman sure is not going to be dropping dimes either. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, anything else on the Cavaliers? No, that's all I got. All right. Well, hey, I, I think I think I, I kept you long enough, so I, I, I guess we're going to get out of here. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Really enjoyed it, man. Thanks for doing this.